I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about workplace role models, where I get the opportunity to ask 60 plus questions to female influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. My vision with this podcast is to raise the workplace ecosystem for women in tech. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by highlighting female role models in STEM to encourage more young girls and women to unleash their full potential in these fields to reach top leadership roles. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my special guest, tech queen Elisa Cabanero, Global Head of Engineering Strategy and Ops at Global. Bienvenida, Elisa. Thank you very much. It's the moist, Elise, to have you joining us from Madrid, Spain today. ¿Cómo estás? I'm very well. Thank you. Now, let us dive into your journey. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. I'm ready. Let us warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? I guess that hashtag morning copy, hashtag no drama, Hashtag easy peasy. How would you describe your life in three sentences? Family first, find the right balance, and the world is in lit. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? The one that you can sing in the car out loud. What's your personal motto? Always give it a try. What is your favorite book? Definitely of all times, it's The Pillars of Beer. What is your favorite podcast? One that I've been listening a lot lately is A Bit of Optimist from Simon Sinek. Mac or PC? Mac. Say something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. I live abroad when you're in Wisconsin. What is your hidden talent? I like to paint. I'm more or less average good at it. <laughs> if you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Oh, what a ride. Great start. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Madrid, Spain. What was your dream job as a child? I always wanted to dance. What was your favorite subject at school? Math, definitely. And what was your least favorite subject? History, which now I know, but at the time I didn't like it. What would you say is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? My brother went to live abroad and we got a Intel PC with P6K modem. And that was our way of communicating with him through email. And it was magic. Which were then the three first technology gadgets you owned? I guess that a Walkman, if that is considered a gadget. Walkman, and then I moved to Discman, which was amazing. Oh, and my first cell phone, which was a, like a brick. It was a Motorola. I had a Nokia <laughs> with a snake. <laughs> with a snake, of course. Also growing up, who were some of your female role models and why? My mom, probably because she had a job and she was still able to take care of us, my brothers, my siblings and myself. We were three. And I still don't know up to this day how she managed to do that. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? 
I guess that my generation has influenced much more than any other. I don't think the school has influenced that much, neither maybe the place that I live, apart from living in a city that has multiple opportunities. But the generation is a generation that has lived the huge transformation of technology and that has obviously called my attention. Interesting. Now I'm going to read two quotes. First one. How does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second one. Abraham Lincoln said the best way to predict your future is to create it. So I want to know the choices behind your career path. Let's start with what did you study at university? I studied computer engineering because the moment that PC entered my house, I knew I wanted to understand what was going this like behind it. Because to me, it was magic to be able to communicate with my brother all across the world in such short time. And I wanted to understand what was going on behind that. So after university, what professional roles have you had before that led you to the current one? I started as a functional analyst, which was a first weird choice after six years of developing. But I learned so much from taking a step back from coding and getting an understanding on business. And from there, I moved on to more a project management role. Then I moved into data and I started working with data teams. And from there, I moved on to a technical product manager role, which is more or less like the perfect balance between understanding the business and keeping in touch with the technology and keep on developing new tools. And now I'm coming to a point that in my career role, I basically have that same role, but in a bigger picture and bigger impact. And today you're working at Global. So what does Global do and what is your title? Global, it's an app that you can get anything that you want in the city. Not only food from restaurants, you can get anything that you can think of. But it's a three-way marketplace. So it's a much more complex business and much more complex systems. My role as head of strategy and operations in engineering is basically how do we structure the engineering teams and how do we enable them on a day-to-day basis so that they can actually develop faster, deliver faster and better quality for those apps that we have within Global. How did you get the job and what are your main responsibilities? Make sure that all the engineering teams are aligned on the strategy, on the vision, and on the creatives. Make sure that they have what they need to do their day-to-day. Making sure that we grow and retain the talent. And how did I get it? It's a funny story because my former manager, when I was working in Expedia, she moved to Global as a CTO. And we work very well together. We understand each other very well. And he told me, like, you need to join this company. It's a blast. So he offered me the position. Amazing. And what does a typical workday look like for you? Real answer is full of meetings. But the reality is that it's a matter of getting to understand people's problems and basically solve them. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Elisa, what do you love about your role? I love solving problems. When people come to me and ask for help, what approach should I do with this? And I'm able to provide the answers that makes me feel super fulfilled. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? 
best experience? I have to say that plenty, but the one that comes right to my head and might not be exactly related with my role, but with the opportunities that Global has given me. I was able to write an article in Forbes about women in tech and the STEM careers. And I'm so proud of that article. Like I was able to pour all my thoughts and everything that I felt about the topic into that article. And it was like shared with the company, shared with friends and family and everybody that read it, like gave me so good feedback and I feel super proud of that. And what are a few challenges you've encountered so far and how have you tackled them? My role is very new to Global and I built that team of program managers that it's also a new role within Global. So navigating through ambiguity and uncertainty because there's nothing different has been the biggest challenge. I have a mindset of test and learn. Let's take this path and let's iterate over it. But not everybody feels comfortable with that type of approach. So having to help my team and other people understand what this means, what their role means and how we can help them has been the biggest challenge. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? That is not defined. And then we can iterate and it's a matter of this and learn exactly that. Be patient. And then what is one of the common myths about your profession or field that you want to disprove? That everybody that works in tech needs to be a developer or needs to know how to code. And what do you love about working in the tech industry? That it's a world full of opportunities that you don't necessarily need to be coding on an app, that you can be working on so many things. You can be working on systems that help healthcare do better diagnosis, for example. People think of tech as apps in mobiles or like Microsoft and any other tech companies, but tech is slightly bit like endless possibilities. Oprah Winfrey quoted, Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is another stepping stone to greatness. What have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? Being part of Global in a role that allows me to have such big impact to me is a big achievement. What's the biggest factor that has helped you be successful? Any success habits? Yeah, treating people as people and not as resources. Treating people, everybody as equal. No matter if it's people from your team reporting to you or peers or even like CEOs, CTOs, everybody is equal and you don't need to put anybody on different levels. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? Don't recall like a specific failure, but I do recall from a past experience where we were part of the data team and we were like 70 people in the area. Let's say that the leader of that area at the time was not focused on people. And in a matter of months, we lost 30 people from the team. Don't want to get into details, but I've learned a lot from that experience that has taught me to actually focus on retaining talent, keeping people motivated, keeping people focused. What is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? Motivating, like I said, like solving problems. When I finish the day and I feel like I've been able to clear paths for people and unblock things, I feel super accomplished. Inspiring, learning from people. When I get to sit down with other people from work or other teens and learn from what they're doing or learn from their past experiences, fills me with energy. Let us now jump into the influence of mentorship and role models. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, mentors can guide us through our career journey and open up the world of possibilities. Do you have a mentor today? 
Nope, I don't. I don't think that I have had the opportunity throughout my career. My managers have always been my mentors. I think I've been lucky enough to have really good managers that have been played their role. At this current role, I would say my manager would still be my mentor. I go to him for anything that I need and I ask him for feedback and he always looks out for me in my career. So he plays that role, I would say. Do you have a female role model you look up to in your work field? I don't have any female role models. I have not had any female role models in my career, unfortunately. Interesting, because history shows that it has been more common for men having mentors and role models in business than women. How important do you think it is to have a role model and mentor during one's career? It is super important. Luckily, I have not found that because I had my mentors that were male, I didn't find that gap of I need a female mentor. But now that I'm mentoring females and I'm mentoring girls, I feel that connection with them that it's an, I don't know, at another level that I wish I've had. Let's move on to leadership. Shirley Sandberg, CEO of Facebook, quoted that leadership is about making others as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. What does leadership mean to you? Leadership is providing the right guidance, enable the team to move on and drive without you. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? A good leader empowers the team. A bad leader, let's say, micromanages the team. Who would you say is your favorite female tech leader? <laughs> Actually, it's funny because Sheryl Sandberg is to me like the point of reference for sure. Her book, Lean changed completely the mindset that I was having up to that point in my career. She brought a lot of awareness of situations that I was living that I wasn't even realizing that I was living and that were unfair, for example. I've had not had any role models and I feel like her being a mother in a tech world with such a high position like gives me the hope of there's always a right balance that you can achieve. You don't need to sacrifice anything. You can lead companies and big teams. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I think I'm humble in terms of, like I said, I don't put anybody at different levels. I am part of my team. The way that I lead them is to help them, to clarify their paths, to give them the tools that they need in order to be successful. And their success is my success. And as a leader, what values are most important for you? Teamwork, collaboration, definitely. What leadership lessons have you learned, bad and good, that have formed you into the leader you are today? You need to take care of the people because the people is the actual fuel that you have, not anything else, not any other resources. People is a fuel. If you don't take care of the people, if you don't spend time to get to know them, if you don't know what moves them, because everybody's so different, you really need to spend time getting to each one of the people you have in your team. That can cause such a leap of talent that is going to ruin the rest. It's going to ruin the business. It's going to ruin the work. People is the main point, I would say. What would you say are your three strengths and three weaknesses? It's funny because this question, I think it's you can actually answer it the same way, meaning one of my strengths is that I like to really get at simplifying things or making things simple. And I've had this feedback from, and I would say most of my managers. But at the same time, when you make things so simple, some personalities, some people cannot work with such simplicity and they need much more details. So at the same time that I think it's a strength, I would say in some cases it might be a weakness. In the same for empathy. I have a huge empathy that allows me to work very well with people. And at the same time, it's a weakness because I bring people's problems home and I bring them to myself and I make them my own problems. So finding the right balance always on that is very complicated. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today. 
workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equality, and inclusive. What do diversity, equality, inclusive mean to you personally? It's a set of rules to build a fair workplace or a fair playground, let's say, where everybody is equal and where everybody has a place. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? That one is easy to explain because in this case, Global is super strong on diversity. We have a specific area and teams working on diversity. When a company invests on that, like having people dedicated full time on that is one of the really good signs. We also have the community groups and the supporting groups for different diversities. Not only women in tech, we have many others. And the company dedicates budget for that. A lot of budget in terms of let's make supporting events, let's make awareness. So those kind of things that makes a company very diverse. And as a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? I would say that it, throughout my career, I've always been the only female in the room, which I've never felt like that negatively. I've always been respected by my peers and I've never felt like downsized or minor. But there are some biases that I've started to realize because you're the only female in the room. If anybody needs to take notes, everybody looks at you. If somebody needs to present, that's going to be you. Some admin tasks that unconsciously everybody tends to look at their female in the room. And I'm starting to work through that in terms of when I see those kind of behaviors, I call them out loud. Why do you think it's important for more women to join the tech industry, especially as leaders? First, because we have a lack of reference. And like I said, I didn't have a role model and I wish that future generations have role models and mentors that they can help. And second, because it's proven that adding diversity to teams is going to add quality to the outcomes of your business. It's going to improve your business decisions. You see, if you have a room full of the same type of people, let's say, the possibilities of going through the same decision or to the same, let's say, options, is going to be huge. While if you make a room full of diverse people, you're going to have a bigger list of options that you can choose from. Do you and how do you speak with your female colleagues and other colleagues about diversity, equality and inclusive challenges, especially salary gaps? To be honest, I don't talk that much, especially now. In Global, I would say that they make sure that there's no salary gap. We have salary reviews every year or every twice every year. And they are so aware of these kind of gaps that they make sure that doesn't happen. It's been a while since I have not had that type of conversation. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women face from reaching higher positions in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unlock these roadblocks? I would say that the glass ceiling has not affected me that much, but I think that the reality is because I had not become a mom. So in my case, I would say that I've, and I'm quoting, I'm lucky enough not to have gone through that phase. And that's why I think that my career has always gone through a normal progress. But I have friends and colleagues that had to have stopped for X number of months because they're becoming a mom. That has changed their career in terms of there are so many biases now around them and about how they can progress, how they can take care of the careers versus 
relationships with their family. And I think that is a unfairness that is happening. So I would say that the advice that I would give to all of them, which is what I'm hoping I can do in the future if I become a mom, it would be like not to stop your career. Like Cyril Sanchez said, it's like nine months or X number of months, but you have so many years ahead that you can still work on your career. Like you don't need to sacrifice. You just pause your career for a bit and then you can still work on that. As the tech industry finds it hard to attract and retain women, what is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity? I always say this and it's going back to the roots. And this is something that I'm happy to see that in Global we're doing. We're now launching bootcamps to have young female future engineers interested in the tech world. And we're going to teach them. We're going to give them opportunities to join STEM careers. But I would recommend that to any other company. Like the workforce is what it is. And the parity is not even in the workforce. So you're not going to be able to find the parity in your company. So you need to go to schools. We need to break the biases that there are in schools. We need to break the stigmas that young girls, 14 years old, 15 years old, feel that they're around tech careers. What would you say then are the few challenges and possibilities of implementing diversity, equality and inclusion in a workplace today? The challenges that I would say are when you try to promote diversity and when you try to empower certain groups of minority groups, the other groups that are not part of the minority tend to feel rejected or they tend to feel out of their, let's say, of the initiative. The challenge is how do we empower these minority groups without making the rest feel guilty for it or making the rest feel less for it? Finding the right balance, I think, is a real challenge. And why and how do you think companies would benefit from having workplace gender diversity, especially better gender representation at the top? Like I mentioned before, when you have different opinions, you have more quality in the decisions. When you have just one or two opinions because everybody thinks the same because they are the same and they have the same background, you're missing out. How much do you think the industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? I would like to say that, yeah, it has changed because there's more awareness. But the reality is that the numbers say that there's less female interested in joining STEM careers. Looking back on your own career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I would have liked to call out since the beginning. I would have loved to be more aware of this difference or lack of diversity way earlier. I'm aware now, and if I'm in a room full of men, I would call it out and be like, do you all realize that here the representation is minor? What can we do to change that? Now I'm able to call that out, but I wish I would have learned that way, way before and be able to call it out way earlier. And looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women in tech? I do everything that I can in terms of I'm mentoring. I'm part of the mentoring program that Global has for mentoring female. I also collaborate with the community and work with schools to break that bias. I also like to work with the female community within Global so that everybody feels that they can start a career in tech and you don't necessarily need to do engineering to do so. Let us now move on to another hot topic in business today, which is workplace life balance and mental health. I'm sure without a doubt you have a busy lifestyle. So how do you take care of yourself to maintain a good mental health? Sports. Sports is says basic. I would love to say I do meditation. No. I don't do meditation. I kind of like keep my mind shut for one minute. But sports, when you practice sports, that's the real mindfulness. That's the real moment that your mind is actually in blank because you're dedicating 
your full attention to something else. So in my case, for example, I play paddle, which is a very famous sport in, in Spain. I like to go for walks with my dog or hiking or go to the gym or run. And I make sure that I do that every day because it's that moment that you dress from the rest of the day and you like set the pause and then you can continue with the rest of the day and then do any other things, any other hobbies that I also like reading, painting, cooking. But you've already reset your mind to do anything else. Have you ever experienced burnout? Early in my career, when I was like super invested, when I took this diet, if I need to work 10 hours, I'll work 10 hours, but I was super young. So I didn't feel like that was burned out itself. But I realized as I was growing up that it was not worth to spend so many hours, that it was a matter of finding the right balance and discussing other timelines and discussing priorities within the teams and with my manager. So I would say that since the beginning, I've always tried to find that balance between work and life. And I've always made sure that I bring that throughout the rest of my career. And what motivates you every day to get out of bed? The number of hours ahead that I have to do so many things. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace? Flexibility. We all need to be more flexible with people's situations and people's needs. Not everybody needs the same thing. Not everybody needs to go back to the office. Not everybody needs 30 days of vacation. Everybody has their own needs and what motivates them. And it's very difficult as a company to build policies. I understand that. But we need to be flexible about policies. Everybody can build their own balance. Now let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and piece of advice for our listeners. What is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? This is an advice that I was given actually by my brother very early dates. And he told me, don't expect anything from anyone. You'll be happier. And that applies to everything, your personal life and your professional life. And when you work based on expectations, I'm going to do this because I expect a promotion, because I expect this, then you're going to be frustrated all your life. You need to work because that was moves you and that is aligned with your values and the rest will come. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? To be honest, I don't know. Because <laughs> if it was a bad advice, I probably forgot it. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? Yes, this is something that I would, and I always explain to, I would say, my mentorships. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to find who actually has the answers. If you had the ability to go back in time when you were just the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Take it easy and don't expect to do everything right up front. Things take time and you cannot control everything. So chill. What advice would you give to young girls and women trying to break into the engineering and technology fields today? To don't overwhelm by the biases that are around the tech careers and by the environment that they're going to find. Tech careers can open multiple opportunities and not necessarily need to be sitting down with a laptop every day. Last but not least, what is next for you in your role and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? I don't know, to be honest. I'm very happy right now with my career role and feel fulfilled. And obviously what moves me is growing and learning. And if I continue learning, I'll be happy in that sense. But what motivates me is to actually build a more balanced workforce and be able to look back and see that we have built a very diverse team. Elisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey will without a doubt inspire change and reshape company culture for the new generation of women in tech. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.